We're going to do things a little bit different today. I'm, I'm going to start, uh, and, and, and I want to share a couple little things with you. Then we're going to have communion, and then I'm going to finish my message. Because uh, we're going to look in Matthew chapter 26, and in Matthew 26 is where the original Last Supper was talked about. In 1 Corinthians 11, we use that passage as in doing in remembrance, but in Matthew 26 is the original Last Supper that Jesus had with his disciples, and they were coming into town. Last week during Palm Sunday, the title of my message was The Beginning of the End. It was the beginning of the end. Jesus came into the city and all the fanfare, and they were all excited. You know, by the end of the week, it was like, you know, you worthless scum. And so the title last week was The, the Beginning of the End, and the title of my message today is The End of the Beginning. The End of the Beginning. So, you know, there's so many things that you can talk about. We could, we could talk for the next, you know, the, the rest of the afternoon about the last three or four or five chapters of each of the Gospels that have different accounts of what happened at the end of this, this, this whole time that Jesus spent on the earth. It was, this is the end of his life. After his earthly ministry, this is the end, the last week. And there's different accounts of it. And so you can, you can talk about, you can have a message where you talk about, you know, I mean, untold number of things. But today I've got one point that just has really, in my own spirit, just exploded. Even this last week as I've been studying the Word and just spending time in, in these passages because I want to say something that God once said. I don't just want to say something that's catchy. I want to say something that God once spoken. And I believe this Word that I have for you today is, is in that way. And so I want to read in Matthew 26, and then we're going to receive the offering. So, uh, host, you can begin to, you, you've got those ready, and you're prepared to do that. We don't usually do it this way, so I want to make sure that they're ready for it. Uh, and then after I read this, then, then you can come forward. Just, just hold where you're at right there. Don't come to the people yet, because I want them to hear this, and then you can come forward. Um, now, on the first day, verse 17 of Matthew 26. Now, on the first day of the feast of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying to him, Where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he said, Go into the city to a certain man and say to him, The teacher says, My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them. And they depart and they prepared the Passover. When evening had come, he sat down with the twelve. And as they were eating, he said, Assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were exceedingly sorrowful, and each of them began to say to him, Lord, is it I? And he answered and said, He who dipped his hand with me in the dish will betray me. So the Son of Man indeed goes just as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had not been born. Then Judas, who was betraying him, answered and said, Rabbi, is it I? And he said to him, you have said it. You have said it. Now, 
the Passover, during this time, and they came into the city during Passover time, all the Passover, not all, I mean, it's important, but what it represents is when the children of Israel were in bondage in Egypt. And during the time that they were in bondage in Egypt, they, you, you know the story where, where God called Moses and he comes to lead them out of bondage. And it had been prophesied that, Mo, that, it, that someone would do this and Moses was the man. And he was leading them out of bondage, but Pharaoh didn't want to release them. And so different plagues and curses came on the, the nation of Israel, I mean of Egypt. And, and with each one of the plagues, things got worse, but he still wouldn't let them go. And so the last plague that there was was the, the death of the firstborns all throughout Egypt. And God made Israel go through a blood sacrifice, taking a sacrificial lamb, and they took the blood of the lamb, and they marked their doorpost. And when the spirit of death came, it passed over their houses. And, and so the Passover represents the fact that the spirit of death passed over them. Now here is Jesus during the Passover. Here's Jesus at this Last Supper talking about this blood and body and explaining to them that he is becoming the ultimate Passover for you and my life. And so we see here in verse 26, and as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and he gave thanks and he gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Now, host, come and you can pass that out as I make this point. He said, here's Jesus saying, I'm, I'm not partaking of this again until I'm with you in my Father's kingdom. I'm connected with you in that kingdom. And what happened and what has happened through his choice to be murdered and mutilated to the point that he was unrecognizable and to take upon himself to be that ultimate sacrifice that mankind would never have to sacrifice again, ever. There would never be that time of sacrifice ever again. He's died one time for all men. And what he said in this 29th verse, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Let me tell you this. As we're partaking of this juice and this cracker today in communion, as we're partaking of this, we're partaking it with Jesus in the kingdom of his Father. Because the kingdom of God is here now. The kingdom of God is on the inside of you. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, and by the Holy Spirit, we're connected with Jesus and the Father and the Holy Ghost. We're all one. And I want you to see this point today because as we, as we partake of this, there's, no, there's nothing in, in this 
we didn't, we didn't put any super duper stuff in this juice, you know. And it doesn't really matter what the juice is. Doesn't it, it can be anything. You can put water in here. You could put Dr. Pepper in here. It really doesn't matter. And I'm not saying that in a sacrilegious way. I'm not, I'm not saying that in, in, you know, saying something in a, in, in a demeaning way whatsoever. Because all he said to do is do this in remembrance of what he accomplished. And same way with this cracker. It doesn't matter what the cracker is. What, what, what you use. As we do this, we do this in remembrance of what he accomplished. But we do it with him and the Father by the person of the Holy Spirit. We're in one with what he accomplished. Is that amazing? I'm telling you, folks, that's amazing to me. This isn't just some lighthearted thing that we're doing today. We're partaking of something in remembrance of what Jesus Christ accomplished. And that's what he was trying to get over to his disciples. And I'll just tell you this. I think that what he was telling Judas was, I'm giving you a way out. I never thought that before. And I heard someone say that one day. And I thought, I don't know. The longer I read it, he's in the he's in the way out business, right? He's given all of us a way out, and through this body, and through the juice that represents his blood, you and I have been forgiven of our sins. We've been forgiven of everything that we've ever done, or ever even thought about, or ever will do, or ever think about, and we've been healed in our bodies. We've been set free and delivered. And so today, as you partake of this, know you're taking this in agreement. Because you're one with the Father, with the Son, and with the Holy Ghost. Amen? And with this cup, and with this cup, His blood was shed for the remission and the removal of our sin. No more does He remember you, your sin. Amen? Amen. amen and amen. <clears throat> Today, I wanted to partake. You can just hold on to your little cups and we'll pick those up afterwards. Because the point I want to make today that I believe is so vitally important, I think is so much more impacting after we partake of communion. Not talking about it first and then doing it. We've partaken of that cracker and that juice. He has empowered you and I to live in this place where nothing, nothing can have dominion. Everything has to pass over your house when you believe it. Amen. Can you say amen? amen? Everything, sin, sickness, disease, poverty, has to pass over your house because of what he accomplished today. Come on, give him praise today for that, yes. Glory to God. Man, 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 man. So the title of my message today is The End of the Beginning. Now there's a new beginning. What he accomplished produced this new beginning for us. And there's a, there's a couple of things that, that I want to read to you and then just make my point. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 4. Revelation chapter 1, all the way to the back, the last book. 
first chapter. And verse 5. What did I say? 4, 5. But I want to remind you, though you once knew this, that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels... Oh man, what am I reading? I'm thinking, that's not the scripture I wanted to read. That was Jude. (laughs) Anyway, it was verse 4. I'm thinking, gosh, it must have switched or something. Anyway, verse 4 of Revelation 1. John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and has made us, he has made us, his blood, his sacrifice has made us kings and priests. To his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. But to him who loved us and who washed us from our sins in his own body. Look at Revelation chapter 12. Revelation 12 and verse 1. Revelation 12 and 1, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. And it would be good for you to read the next seven or eight verses that go with that, if you're in your study time and you're reading that, and you're looking at this message today. But consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest, he, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls, in your minds. The point I want to make today to you is this. And this is something that you should be thinking about every day. You should be meditating on this every day. The price that Jesus paid for you and I, When you and I accept Jesus into our heart, spiritually we're born again. You were born once in your natural body. Second time, when you accept Jesus, you're born spiritually. But there's a third part of that, and there's the salvation of your soul or your mind, your will, your emotions. And Jesus 
If you're here Friday night and we watch The Passion of the Christ, or you've watched The Passion, which I believe is, a, is, a, is an amazing visual of what he went through. But in the beginning of the movie, he's in the garden, and, and the Bible says that he began to sweat blood, drops of blood. He was agonizing in his mind, and he, as, as you saw in the movie and the visual and as you read the scripture, it, he, he was being tormented in his mind, and the enemy trying to convince him that he couldn't do this thing. That's what the enemy was trying to tell him. You, you can't do this. Nobody, no human being could ever do this. Trying to convince him that he did not have the capability of overcoming this. One of the things that Jesus said in the garden was, Lord, if there be any other way, let this cup that I'm fixing to partake of, let this cup pass from me. But not my will, but your will be accomplished. So what Jesus did in his agonizing in the garden is he settled it. And I believe the movie of The Passion of the Christ did an excellent job of that little snake came out from underneath, you know, that, the garment of that uh, of Satan or the picture of Satan and and here comes that snake and 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 Satan is he is his uh, uh, he's he's described as a as a snake or as a serpent and he comes and and Jesus gets up off the ground and he puts his foot right on that snake and he destroys it and what that says to me is in that moment in that moment he settled it in his soul he settled it. It's worth it. And you know how he settled it? It says the joy that was set before him, he endured. And the joy was you. How in the world he could see you at that, point, at that moment, I don't know. And maybe he didn't see our individual faces, but he saw all of mankind that he was dying one time for all people. And he settled it right there. I'm going to do this. And he says in Hebrews 12 that we just read, the next verse there that past what we read, it said, you have, never, you have never endured to the point of sweating drops of blood. He endured to a level that no other human being had ever endured in, but he won the battle in the garden over his mind. And he was convinced. And all through the journey, all, all through... The Villa de la Rosa, through the journey, there's, there's comments that he made that he can do it. I can do this. I can do this. I can do it. By the strength and the power of God, I can do this. He had to be all man like you and I so that he could be the perfect example. But you know what it said in that Hebrew scripture? He endured so that when you get when you get put upon and the pressure gets so intense in your life mentally that because he endured, you can endure. <laughs> because he lives, we can face tomorrow with victory. See, it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean that everything looks victorious. But by faith, we can do it because he did it. And the fact that he endured in his soul empowers you and I to endure in our soul Every day. And these are just, I just, just, this is just a random list of several things that come to your soul. They come to your soul on a daily basis. Everybody's. One of them, maybe more than one of these things. 
but things like, I can't. I never. I never. There's no way. I, I can't do that. I'll never do that. I'll never accomplish this. Thoughts come and you begin to verbalize based on your thoughts. Well, you know what? Those people don't like me. You may be a visitor here today and, I mean, at the end of the service, if you're a guest with us today, I'm going to be standing out there and I'm going to shake your hand and if nobody else did, you tell me because everybody in the church is going to get in trouble because their responsibility is to shake your hand and let you know they're glad you're here. I mean, that's not really hard. I mean, we want to be real about it, but, you know, just shake someone's hand and tell them you're glad they're here. But you know why? Because people come in a place like this and think, well, you know, they, they, they don't need me. They don't want me. They don't like me. They don't, well, you know, that, that person shook my hand, but boy, they looked at me really weird, you know? <clears throat> Something. Those are thoughts that come to our mind. Then on the other end of the stick, we get thoughts about that we're all that. Well, you know. I'm God's gift to the planet. You know, people get thoughts about how how well they do this thing or that thing. I'm telling you, you can't do anything apart from the fact that God allows you to breathe. (laughs) Did you hear what I said? I don't care whether you're born again or not. I'm telling you today, your breath is on loan from God. The earth is the Lord's, the fullness, everything in it, the cattle on a thousand hills, the gold, the silver, I don't care. And notice, I thank God that the Bible didn't talk about Federal Reserve notes. <laughs> the gold, the silver, the cattle on a thousand hills, and the whole thing, you know. <clears throat> but it's like Jimmy Stewart said in uh, It's a Wonderful Life, when the angel asked him that he said he didn't have any money. He said, well, well but it, it works pretty good down here, you know, because he needed some money. Anyway, you don't watch that movie. <clears throat> but some of you are thinking, yeah, but I could use some right now. You know? But if God owns the cattle on a thousand hills and the gold and the silver and it's all His, then we've got to learn to be in a position to receive from God. See, But our minds want to tell us that we can't. And, and our minds at times want to tell us that we're all that and what I do have is because I'm all that. And I'm telling you, what you do have is a result of the blessing of God, whether you believe it or not. Then there's thoughts that come, well, you know, I don't need them. I can do it all on my own. It's a lie. <clears throat> Those people are the enemy. They don't like me. They're the ones that, you know, that, that person did this to me or somebody hurt me and offended me and those thoughts come to our mind. Every day, something, somebody's dealing with something based on your past. Another thought that comes when you hear the word taught and faith taught, things come to your mind and you say, well, you know, I, I heard what he said, but I'll believe it when I see it. You, you'll never see it. You'll never see it God's way because God, God said that the seeing is in the believing. And when we, when, when we develop faith and a belief system, is where we begin to see the manifestation of the things that we're standing and believing for. But I'm telling you today, what's more important than anything else is the peace and the assurance and the truth that rules in your soul. And I'm telling you, that's what Jesus died for. That's the price that was paid to deliver and set you free. In Matthew 26, look at this. Matthew 26, where we were, But in verse 31, 
Then Jesus said to them, all of you, all of you, this is, this is after the, the, the Lord's Supper, he said, all of you will be made to stumble because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will scatter. Now, now, when Jesus allowed the soldiers to come and take him captive, what do you think it did to the minds of the people that had heard him teach for the last three years? His disciples, not just the twelve, but all the other people that had become disciples of Jesus. What do you think it did to their soul when he had... They had seen miracle after miracle after manifestation after manifestation. They heard him talk about things that they really didn't understand, about the, about the tearing down of the kingdom and building back up of the temple and, those, and, 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 and things that in their, their minds, they, 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 they shook their heads, but they weren't sure what it meant. So what did it, what did it do to their soul when he allowed? When they came in the garden and they arrested him, and Peter took his sword and he cut the ear of that, of that, soldier, that, that soldier's ear off. He cut that guy's ear off. And Jesus said, hey, don't you know that I could call however many legions of angels to rescue me from this? This is happening because it's the will of the Father. I wasn't sent to the earth to do my will, but to do his will. So that me doing his will would empower you to be able to do the will of the Father on a day-to-day basis. And he said, when, when the shepherd, when the shepherd was, was struck, the sheep will scatter. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. And Peter answered, verse 33, and said to him, even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. Jesus said to him, assuredly I say to you that this night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And so said all the disciples. Yeah, 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 what Peter said, what Peter said. Yeah, 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 that's right, that's right. But what they didn't realize is what they didn't have. Jesus knew they'd all, he, he told them, you're going to all forsake me. And they all forsook him. They all did. And he, and, and, but what they didn't know is what they didn't have. And what they didn't have was the power to resist the, based on the pressure that came against them in their mind. Peter had a, Peter had a strong frame. I mean, he was a fighter anyway. He, he thought he could accomplish things in the natural. But what he didn't have was a renewed mind because the power to renew your mind had not actually come yet. And we see in the Scripture that the salvation of the soul that Jesus empowered us to be able to do is something that you do every day. Your mind is saved every day. Your spirit man was saved the day that you accepted Jesus. Your physical body will be saved when you're one with God and and at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, but your soul, your soul is something that has to be saved every day because there is a pressure that comes against us And we read in Hebrews 12 where it says, he endured so that when you were pressured, you could endure. You could not just endure, but overcome. So when things come to you that you can't, and you know what? Every day, you have a choice to settle with, I can't, if that's 
the issue that you're facing or believing the worst of someone else or having an attitude towards other people because of what they've done to you, those kind of things. It's a choice every day. And your mind will tell you you deserve to be able to do that. What God said is He wanted us to lay our lives down, take up our cross, and follow after Him. But I'm telling you today that the communion that we partook of the juice and the cracker, every time you partake of that, you do it in remembrance of the fact that He gave you the power to overcome. In 1 Corinthians 11, which is the passage of Scripture that we always use to uh, where communion is concerned, in verse 27 of 1 Corinthians 11, it says, Therefore, whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and let him drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. Weak, powerless, and sleep, and and do not have the energy to rise up and do what God has desired for us to do. Why? Because we don't discern rightfully and truthfully what the body and the blood accomplished. The body of Jesus Christ empowered you to be healed, to be delivered, to be set free, and then to leave your place and your world and make disciples of other people and allow your life to be the example that liberates and sets other people free. Because I'm telling you, what Jesus did at Calvary, he's not doing again. What Jesus did at Calvary, he's not doing every time someone else needs to be saved or a problem needs to be worked out in another person's life. He's already done everything, and now He's using you and I as we embrace the responsibility to renew our minds and see our soul and our, 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 our emotions delivered and saved on a daily basis so that we know, you know, I can't isn't in my vocabulary. I can't do something is not there because the Bible says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me because of what He did. He accomplished it all. And now you and I are empowered to live this life that he intended for us to live in. I I, I just tell you today, he did not intend for you to live in not enough in any area of your life. Financially, physically, mentally, emotionally, in any way, he didn't intend you to live in not enough. His body and his blood paid for you and I to live in more than enough. Can you say amen to that? Amen. So, today... In Mark 16, which is an account of the Great Commission, Mark 16, and verse 9. And when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils. She went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. And when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they didn't believe it. 
Why? Because their reasoning mind talked them out of it. Verse 12, after that, he appeared in another form to two of them as they walked and went into the country, and they went and told it to the rest, but they didn't believe them either. Why? Because their reasoning minds didn't have the capabilities yet to believe. He accomplished it, but his whole thing wasn't finished until he sat down at the right hand of the Father. Verse 14, later he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table, and what did he do? Commended them? No, he rebuked them, right? He rebuked their unbelief and their hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, and he who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. So those who believe and are baptized, but those who believe what he said, okay? So here's the point that I'm leaving with you today, and I want you to just really grab a hold of this. Here's the point that I want you to really understand. He endured the cross and the frustration and the torment and everything that went with it so that when you're frustrated and you feel like you can't, he's there to tell you you can. Right? And he said, all these signs will follow you if you believe. But to believe something... You have to replace what your head says, and you've got to replace it in such a way that it gets in your heart, and you believe that what he said is more real than you see with your eyes and hear with your ears. It's something that is actually very simple, but it's very difficult to do because it takes consistency, and so many of us struggle with being consistent. Well, you know, Pastor, I tried that for a couple weeks and just, you know, wow, you know, he endured to the sweating of blood and you tried it for a couple of weeks. What a warrior, you know? I mean, <laughs> man. I mean, all we got to do is read what he did. But see, see, and I'm not saying that in a critical way toward any of us because we've all been that way. And we've all had those excuses. And we've all tried and it didn't work and we got frustrated and all that kind of... So we've all been there, all in the same boat. But listen, if you're going to be... If you're going to have pressure and you're going to have I can'ts in your head, you might as well know how to overcome, right? So if the pressure is going to be there and the difficulties are going to be there one way or the other, let's have some answers to the pressure and difficulties and let's find ourselves living in this realm of overcoming. And he said... He who believes, and, 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 I, and I'm saying again is, here's what he said, and here's what things look like and seem. And every time, every time that you see something that says this isn't true, with your mouth, you've got to turn that around. Nothing will ever change until your words begin to come out of your mouth so that you begin to believe. What true confession of His Word is about is to develop a daily maintenance of warding off thoughts and ideas that are not true. Because the enemy will work overtime to get you to accept that you can't, you're a failure, you're a loser, you're all this, when in Christ, 
Old things are passed away, and everything is brand new right now. I mean, now. When? Now. When? Now. Not then, now. When? Now. 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 Not two minutes ago when I said that, and you're getting tired of hearing me say it, but I'm saying it's now. So every time a thought comes, you've got to replace it with something. So that's why you've got to spend enough time to know him through the word so that what, the way you know him in here, okay, will ward off anything out there that says anything contrary because I'm just telling you right now, when you partook of communion, and that's why I wanted you to take it first, think about it when you partook of it. He said, as often as you do it, do it in remembrance for yourself of what he did. He did it. It's finished. It's a finished work. Now, you and I are one with the Father, and he said, I'm not going to partake of this until you start partaking of it. So actually, what we're doing, we're partaking of the cracker and the juice, remembering what he accomplished, so we're doing it with Father, Father and Son through the person of the Holy Spirit. So when we obey and, and we discern the body correctly and we think, you know what, that's right. You know, circumstance over here said, I can't make it. But he said, I can do all things. Circumstance over here says, you know what, that's too big, God can't handle it. No, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. So we got to replace those things. And it's not you're making a confession to try to fix something today. You're making confession to change your thinking. You're making confession to change your thinking. You know what happened to the disciples? They struck the shepherd and the sheep scattered. Look at this interesting verse, and, and I am going to end with this. Look at this interesting verse. You might think it doesn't have anything to do with this, but I'll explain it. Hebrews 13 and verse 17. And I'm going to read this in the Amplified. Hebrews 13, 17. Obey your spiritual leaders and submit to them, continually recognizing their authority over you, for they are constantly keeping watch over everything you do. No? Constantly keeping watch of, you know, what you do at home. No? Watching over your soul, your mind. So see, what I'm doing today is I'm sharing a word with you with taking the responsibility to watch over your soul by giving you some truth that will help you to overcome in your thinking. Because, see, if, if under-shepherds don't teach the word, then people scatter. And in the scattering, they get picked off by the wolves. Mm -hmm. That's right. But when the truth is preached... See, then under-shepherd in teaching is, is doing their responsibility of making sure that your thinking is getting enough so you can withstand and overcome whatever pressure's coming from you on the outside. Because the pressure's there, I'm telling you, you're sitting here looking at me today, and many of you are in intense pressure over some specific thing or another. I'm telling you, God's got the answer. And he's got the answer in the fact that Jesus paid the price and he knew what it was going to be like and he knew where you would be today on this 31st day of March 
2013 and he knew the pressure you would be under and he saw you and he endured the cross so that you could endure through anything that you face. And I'm just telling you today, that's some good news and we ought to give God praise for that today. Amen? Wow what he did. Wow what he accomplished. Woo! Heavenly Father, today we thank you so dearly and so deeply we thank you for what your son accomplished. You so, you so loved us that you gave the best of heaven. Wow, 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 wow. You gave the best of heaven. You didn't give some weak little angel with a broken wing or some kind of weak, you know, miserable little thing that you just found in the corner that you didn't need anymore. You gave the best. You gave your son. You gave the living word to come to this earth, be born of a virgin, to live for 30 years, be empowered by your spirit, do signs, wonders, and miracles, be celebrated the week before his mutilation, and know, ha, wow, and know he could have passed it up, knowing he he could have said, you know what, Daddy? It's just too much. Let's wipe them all out and start over. No. He saw you and said, man, you're worth it. Whew. You're worth it now. Now what God has done is empowered you to be able to look at other situations and other circumstances and maybe other people that you have a right to hold grudges against or you have a right to feel a certain way about you're going to believe the best in him because God's empowered you because he did it. He saw you in your sin and the mistakes that you've made and everything else before you even made him. He saw you and he said, you're worth it Whew. to empower us to know we're not going to let anything stand in the way of our relationship with God and where we're going and what we're doing. Father, I thank you for giving your people today purpose and vision and destiny down deep in their hearts, deep, deep in their hearts, purpose and like they've never known vision and understanding today we thank you God we thank you today we thank you